I think if you try and do a job and you don't leave your job and you try and solve something, you're too comfortable. And I think you do need a bit of madness. In all creativity, you need some madness. But if you don't have the madness, that's where the magic is. We've kind of made recycling sexy because it's kind of a cool pair of glasses, right? Hello and welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. My name is Chris Meredith. And my name is Paul Fairweather. And Chris and I are on a mission to lift the lid, open the case, so to speak, on creativity in business and life through the lens of idea, stories and visual communication. And this week's guest, Nick Robinson, is, I suppose, an entrepreneur, but very much with a social purpose. Um, he's the founder of a business called Good Citizens that turns plastic waste into eyewear and as he puts it he's on a mission to untrash the planet so we pushed him and probed what drives him what role does creativity play in his business and we learned so much more than how to build a socially conscious business yes chris look it was absolutely fascinating discussion one of the things that you know you'll learn is that he has involved his children in this enterprise uh, so the whole family is involved He's gone all in. It's not a side hustle. Um, he has no other means of income. So it's really about him making this a success. Um, absolutely fascinating uh, person and uh, and a great story. Let's get him in. And if you want to hear why fear is a key component of creativity, stay on till the end. Nick, a huge welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. It's great to see you. Hello, gentlemen. You're looking handsome this morning. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. You're too kind. Nick, can we just start out by you giving us a, a very quick pot of history about how you came from where you were to where you are, you know, the major inflection points in your career? So trained as a graphic designer in London at Kingston University, graduated, came out, ended up working for the BBC Channel 4 on shows like The Big Breakfast, so broadcasts, then ended up moving to America for Getty Images, then came to Australia and ended up working in an ad agency, and then I had my own radio show on Triple M, and then I left that, set up my own advertising agency, which kind of serviced the not-for-profit space. Then became head of content for a entertainment company, making shows for the networks. Left that, found there's a problem with the world in plastic, so decided to set up a business with my two kids, at the time six and eight, to untrash the planet. So, Nick, I mean, you've, you've skated through some really big, moments in, in your amazing career. I mean, the, the two things that jump out for me, firstly, you're, you're running a business called Good Citizens, which makes glasses, glass eyewear out of recycled plastic. And so you've made a decision to build a business on a, an environmental friendly business to try and help untrash. Tell us why pursue something that's so uh, socially conscious. I mean, there are easier ways of making money, I'm sure. Yeah, there's a lot of easier ways of making money. But I think when you get to our age, you kind of want to feel that you're doing the right thing too. And that has a, a lot to do with it. So, and I did, you know, I, I'm not bashing the ad industry, but the ad industry traditionally gets and encourages you to buy lots of things. And sometimes, sometimes you might not need those things. So I don't know, maybe I was just twitching a little bit and, and, and doing penance. But uh, yeah, I, I think... There's two moments. I felt like a Formula One racing car driver sat on the grid. This is pre-COVID. This is before the world was worried that we were all going to die because of COVID. We yeah. all knew the world was drowning in plastic trash. My old chairman hired a boat, went to, to a beach that I backpacked on, and he, he texted me saying, I can't get to the beach because the bay is full of plastic bottles. 
And that really upset me. The kids also were watching David Attenborough, were watching TV shows, watching things on YouTube, and were just inundated and just felt that the world was going to end. So one night they just said to me, can we do something about this? And as a creative mind, just of course you start thinking, don't you? And you join the dots mm. and things start snowballing. And so we went out looking for some waste and found a plastic bottle floating in the ocean in Balmain. Yeah. And then Harry Googled that there's 500 billion or something bottles made a year, 1 million every minute, and the world is drowning in this stuff. So we just set about a little project. Let's do something. Didn't think it would end up here. Was that moment where because I can imagine doing a, pro- a kind of fun project with the kids, let's see if we can do something with it. But you've taken a step beyond that, and it's now a business. So you can buy um, eyewear from Good Citizens, and it's made out of recycled plastic. Tell me about that moment where you set up a business. And, and also, it's got an unusual structure in that your kids, young kids, are on the board. They help make decisions. So they're not just symbolic. I know they actually do help make the decisions on the business, don't they? Yeah, they have 25% each say and shareholding, which you kind of set up. The shareholding's loosely set up with the accounting because they're so young. There isn't actually a business structure uh, to do that, but it's down on paper. Yeah, it's, it is a bit crazy when you think about it, but... Remember when we all went into lockdown and everybody was homeschooling? I'm incredibly dyslexic and I couldn't understand their schoolwork. I couldn't understand an eight-year-old schoolwork. So I thought, sod this, let's set up a, let's, let's kind of do this idea as a business. And for maths, we're going to work out some logistics. We're going to work out cost of goods. So I basically decided to kind of use this as an opportunity to try and teach the kids a little bit about business. So that became kind of schoolwork. So they don't know, they've probably missed out a year of traditional schoolwork, yeah. but we set up a business together. And yet it's fun and it's crazy. And Harry knows how to set up cost of goods. He, can, he comes and looks at spreadsheets. The flip side is I had to manage with Jocelyn very quickly. They were getting quite anxious thinking that if they made the wrong decision in the business, then the world would end. It, it was becoming not fun. It was becoming serious. And that's, that's a challenge. Uh, what, because of finances of it or? Just because it? of the, the fact that, you know, they could see it was real. They were coming to the factory. They were make, seeing a machine and robots making a pair of glasses. So they understood one bottle made the frame. And then they would see that, that then they would get boxed up, go out, go out to a customer and the customer would write a review and they could see the whole cycle of business. And they understood that with that money we got from the customer, we did good things for the planet. So they, they, were, they were seeing this little tally of good and bad. So how old are the kids now, Nick? So Archie's just turned 11 and Harry's 12. Okay, 11 and 12. Very, uh, very close. And they're still quite enamoured with the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, they're typical kids where, you know, that they, they get a bit bored on things. But Harry just wanted to buy himself a new nerve gun. So he came down and worked out for his pay. He could do four hours work with a focus bonus, I call it. So he earned the money last week helping make frames and, and a nerve gun arrived in the post three days ago. So, you know, they're, they're cottoned on that the fact, do I ask dad to buy it or do I come down and work in the workshop and make things and get paid? <laughs> and what do, what do they tell their mates at school? I mean, they must be very unusual kids for compared to their other kids. who Well, yeah, like Harry, Harry started a new school and in a new area. And on day one, he started, he went to school. He's like literally the smallest kid in the, in the year is, you know, we're only little, we're little people in the Robinsons, but I snuck him out at one o'clock and then he went and did a keynote speech to 400 people in the city. Right. And so imagine starting your first day of school in a new area and then your dad's outside. And, and that kid has had more doctor's appointments because we haven't actually told the school that he's doing lots of public speaking, which I think is a great education. They think yeah. he's a really sick kid. 
when really I'm just in the back of the back car park doing a getaway. So Nick, are they uh, are they paying to speak? Yes, they are. Yes, they get paid. And Harry's got a speaking gig next week in in the city, and he gives half of his fee to his brother because his brother's his brother is his brother spoke at Vivid, but he's a bit loose. His Archie, lots of things can come out of his mouth. He's quite entertaining, but sometimes things have to be a little bit more on point when they're paying. So Nick, the source of this. Yeah, inspiration to me. It sounds like it's really about the kids. I mean, obviously, untrashing the planet is about helping build a planet which isn't trashed when they grow up. But it sounds like this is mainly a project for your kids, making a statement about the world you want them to grow up in and the fact that this is a kind of... Is that right? Is that the driver for it all? I think it's... Uh, yes, our purpose is to do that. And our purpose is... To, I mean, I will just... I, I'm actually... I, as a creative mind like you guys... You want to kind of prove some hypotheses wrong or right. And you want to try and navigate and do something that I think being a creative person, there is a, there's a lot of ego. We say there isn't, but there's quite a lot of ego because you want to be original. The worst thing you can say to a creative person is, oh, I've seen that before. You've copied something. So yeah. we kind of knew that this was, yes, a social project with the kids, but we also knew that we could, wouldn't it be great to prove if two little kids, a mum and dad, so essentially four Muppets that have got no idea what they're doing, right, could actually make some impact and could actually show that anybody can play their part and that creativity and just sheer determination, you don't have to be the most talented person in the room. And everyone said to us, don't take on the big guys. Why has no one done this before? And there's a lot of self-doubt, a lot of in anything we do, you know, creatively. So we just kind of push that aside and push forward. Nick, I just was wondering, you know, you, you've obviously, you know, you had the, the rush of the idea at the beginning and, you know, and you're going through a process. And now it sounds like, you know, a lot of it's getting into the more mundane, pragmatic aspect of the business of just making the things. Um, how, how are you currently fueling your, your creativity? Because, you know, I know from my experience, like, I'm, you know, I suffer from uh, bright, shiny syndrome. Um, Bright, shiny <laughs> object syndrome, and just wondering, you know, how you keep yourself creatively motivated. Oh God, I have more. So depends what you call creativity. So yesterday I was in the factory, and we and we have trouble at the moment manufacturing. So every bottle in the world is kind of different the way it gets processed and and what it's processed with because it gets bought in ton blocks, and so not every batch that we get is the same, and so we have fails, failed kind of pairs that pop out that are half made. So the first machine would be a 40% fail rate. Nine machines in, we're now at 100% perfection. Right. Right. And so that's, so yesterday we have, that's on one style. So we have three styles and the other two styles aren't as good. And so all of a sudden we're now redesigning, re-implementing. But it it was, it, it's never a dull moment. And, and sadly with recycled materials, when it works on a Monday, it might not work on a Wednesday. It's really strange. So we are constantly, it's it's like an organic thing. It's not like dig, dig binary, digital, one, zero, it's going to work. People don't appreciate the challenges involved and you have to get creative and you have to keep the team motivated because everyone just goes, here we go again. We go up for a day of pain. And I'm like, nah, we can get through this. I'd love to hear about the experience of building the business because one part of me thinks, Surely you're pushing at an open door here because you've got a product which is environment friendly. It's original and new. It's got a great backstory, you and the family and the kids. You're helping to untrust the planet. Everything seems to be tick, 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 tick. And therefore, it must have been 
an easy ride and, and the world would have welcomed kind of this innovation. And yet I kind of sense from you it's bloody hard work and it's it's not, a, and there are the big guys out there and it, it's it's hard to actually get glass eyewear into people's, onto people's noses so they can, what, what unexpected obstacles have you overcome, I guess is what I'm asking. From a business marketing perspective, if you go to Google right now and Google recycle sunglasses, you're going to get 12 brands ahead of us that are not actually using recycled materials. Right, so you're competing for a Google keyword. I'm getting really granular here, and so there's brands out there that say they're recycled, but they're not. They're using something called a bioacetate, which is essentially made from a plant material. But at a certain point, when it's melted down, it becomes exactly the same properties as a petroleum plastic, and and it is the same problem. It doesn't get recycled, right? It's very difficult. So we're fighting against lots of brands saying they're recycled when they're not. They may have a recycled courier bag. And so they class their brand. That's how Google. So that's a big challenge. We didn't think that, yeah, you're right. We've got the perfect story. But sadly to a consumer, they just think everybody else is recycled because they say yeah. so. So that's been a massive challenge. Big challenge from a communication standpoint. How do you get out of that? How do you rise above the clutter? That That's absolutely done my head in. I can see that. So suddenly you've got to become an expert as a consumer on, oh, there's different kinds of recycling or there's companies that claim it's recycled and if you scratch the surface, you discover it's not. And so you need to you need your customers to be kind of up to speed on what really recycled looks like. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're pioneering. We're ahead of the curve, right? And so we're 100% recycled. So I don't know anybody else that's 100% recycled. If you sneak a quick 10% virgin plastic in, it makes the process a lot easier. Yeah. But like I said to the kids, if we do that, we're only solving 90% of the problem and we're still adding 10%. So we're trashing 10%, but untrashing 90%. We need to be untrashing the planet 100%. I don't know what I'm, I'm feeling, but this idea that you can't, that, that your battle is actually a battle against misinformation, that, that there are other brands out there who are kind of waving a green flag saying, hey, buy me because it's environment friendly. And you're going, no, 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 wait a minute. Um, and I think so many people want to do the right thing. But what, you, what we're learning from you is it's not just a question of picking up the things with a kind of green, friendly, no. environment-friendly label. No, it's absolutely. No, it is misinformation. But the, the thing is for us, we are not a brand that wants to point and name and shame because that's yeah. just not cool. But yeah. do I want to? Do I have a hit list on a piece of paper? Yes, I know exactly who those corporates are and what frustrates me without this turning into a negative conversation is they're very six they're successful people and they can run a very big business but they know they're greenwashing nick given that um difficulty in getting your message out there you know obviously you know even if you become a big business um and 100 recycled it's going to be a you know a small dent on the problem of the plastic but i'm assuming it's you know one of your big things is about the strategy getting people to think differently and getting other companies to follow your lead um is is that right and 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 do you have sort of plans for that in the future? Like how, how do you see your messaging developing? Yeah, it's absolutely. So 50% of what we do is I go out and teach at university. So I'm currently working with a robotics department at UTS. I'm currently working at UNSW. Uh, they use our brand as part of their curriculum. So I teach to Collarts in Melbourne, which is a fashion entrepreneur university course. I give regular lectures there. So we've kind of got, we've kind of made recycling sexy because it's kind of a cool pair of glasses, right? So education's one thing. So we're looking with, we're working with the next generation of creative little, little I call them little thinkers, but they're not, you know, thinkers. That's one aspect. We know we can't solve the world's plastic problem, but I do know that some of the conversations I've had with some of the fashion, some of the biggest names in fashion have come and spoke to us. 
you know, we've recently just done some work with Mercedes. We're talking to a couple of other mega big brands. And it's interesting. What's been really humbling for us is that whilst they're big, they've got a bigger ship to turn. We're nimble yeah. and small. We're a tiny little speedboat. We're, we're a jet ski, <laughs> right? And I can turn it on and flip it around in a second. And it's interesting, the shared knowledge. And it's, it's, it's actually, I love the fact that these people are showing some vulnerability in a boardroom and talking to us because we've all got to try and solve this. If, that, if a bigger business can crack it, they will untrash much more than us. Yes, they may have been one of the biggest trashes on the planet, but they've got the scale we don't have. So I think yeah. to answer your question, Paul, we're just playing our part. We're a cog in this wheel of change. And if we're the person that inspires someone to make a change, that's good. And I tell you what, having kids stood in front of a board or on stage talking to an organization, it's a great cut through because mm. they're confused going, why am I sat listening to a 12-year-old? It's brilliant. <laughs> they can't look away. They're like just up feeling slightly uncomfortable. Well, we, uh, that you should be aware that we always say that the, the kind of most impactful speaker we've had on this show, the person that no one can rival, is a seven-year-old uh, artist who appeared with his dad and talked about why he draws and what he draws and right. what advice he's got. And it was wonderful stuff, seven years old. You can't argue. <laughs> Nick, um, I, have, I have another question just following on for that. Just beginning this show, you were showing us a little demonstration of a of a prototype that you'd tried out with um, uh, ocean ocean glass. Talk to us about that, about the problem there, and and, and if you any ideas of how that problem. Well, a, a lot of people, it's very sexy, isn't it, to say that you're using ocean waste, which you know all the turtles and dolphins are drowning on, to turn into a product. And so I know it's a load of coswallop because we've tried and what we've done is we took some ocean waste and we ground it up and it was all processed and we made some glasses and they just crumbled because ocean waste sits in the sea it gets degraded by the sun and gets degraded by the salt so to make the pair of glasses work we ended up having to put about 70 percent virgin plastic in to bond them all this so all of a sudden people are going out there saying my packaging for my product that my cleaning product comes in or whatever is made from ocean waste well no it's not it's got a sprinkling of ocean wasted, right? Yeah. And so we just wanted to prove that if you're trying to try and use ocean waste, it, I just don't think it's there. And, and I kind of do cheekily sometimes write to these companies to say, surely if you've cracked the problem of ocean waste, you've now cracked the holy grail and now you're in the business of saving the world, but not, not the thing you put in your bottle. It's Because it's, it's just so hard. It's polymers, it's... It, they just break down and sadly once they've kind of got to that level i mean i'm sure at a molecular level someone will crack it but it's i just find it interesting uh, but again the a triple c is now cracking down massively on anything to do with ocean waste mm. and we don't even touch ocean waste ours is yellow curb bin ours is post-consumer waste this doesn't sound very sexy but it's just the truth we find it a new home we find that bottle a new home so, so what you're what you're saying is by the once a plastic bottle gets into the ocean it's it's almost beyond saving. It's just there's nothing that can be done with well, it. Well, no, if a plastic bottle sits in Bondi or, you know, down in St. Kilda and it's in there for a, for two two months a year, it's probably fine. So it could just get blown yeah. onto the sand and put in a bin and it will be fine. But it's when you see like a an esky lid that's been floating out at sea and got barnacles on it and the, yeah. a, a, a crab's living in it and it's broken down to little pieces and half of it's missing. You know that once it's been in the water for a certain amount of time, it's it's crumbly. It's kind of sadly gone. Mm. Hey, I was just thinking more broadly about 
what you do because you've, you've talked about the business you're talking about education speaking and the idea of inspiring bigger businesses to make change it's it's interesting. I was thinking about it with like the long-term plan for yes. good assistance. It may be a question you can't answer because you know it's still it's still growing and still making it up as you go along. But it seems to me that one of the key things in the the business is this idea of being, in a good way, an irritant, a, a, a kind of a spark for other businesses, for other people. And it's it's not about well eyewear. It's about an inspiration. Maybe that's a better word for it. To, for other businesses and other people, is that fair? Yeah, I think it is a fair comment, and, I, and it's funny one. One of the things I talk about when I do public speaking is we obviously had a bottle and we we were having to turn it into a frame, which means that we can't have a metal hinge because metal is in, is a bottle is made of one plastic a monoplastic, so we had to redesign the hinge. So the big problem of how do you turn that bottle into a complete frame? Not the lenses; they're made by Carl Zeiss Vision of Germany, right? Very separate. But how do you the problem of how do you make a lens a, a frame that can that can be made from a bottle that then made it repairable because it was modular so all of a sudden we've now got a pair of glasses which are repairable it's like it's like ikea without an allen key and no swearing we can tip it together in <laughs> seconds and people at home can repair their own glasses so go out knock yourself out have fun the glasses can be repaired and i think what's happened is that businesses have bought businesses know unless they they, they can't the circular economy which is keeping products out of landfill is the key yeah, actually, that that's fantastic. I didn't know that about your glasses. They can, I uh, I have to wear reading glasses now, as you can see, and I'm forever breaking the hinge. So, but I just wanted to take a slight um, slight diversion, but linking back to just what you were talking about there around this thing about tinkering. We asked you to send an image, and you sent this uh, fantastic mm-hmm. image um, from a uh, of a sculpture that you used to look at when you were a kid in Leeds, and and you were talking earlier about you know sort of a relationship with your father about building things, which I think is probably part of your DNA. So can you just tell us that, that story? Yeah, so look, uh, we actually start. yeah, so my dad would play in, in an orchestra in, in Leeds and we'd go there and we'd go to the concerts and we would always have to walk through this uh, shopping centre, right? And the shopping centre was, had this, it, it, Leeds is a very kind of dreary on a rainy day. It doesn't look very appealing. <laughs> I don't think they've seen sunshine. But in the middle of this shopping centre would be this massive sculpture with wings, a bicycle, and it'd be moving. It would be like pulleys pulling this thing. And it's a contraption made by Heath Robinson. And I was captivated because I wasn't actually sure what it was, but it looked like it could fly. It also had an umbrella on it. It had it had a toilet seat that you could sit on and a little toilet roll. And it had <laughs> foot pedals and it had wheels and it had like a car radiator uh, and, and it was just this amazing contraption. And I just thought, what imagination, what imagination. And I guess that's kind of influenced a little bit of we've made what we've done up. Everything we've done, we've made up. And there's been some hilarious contraptions and things. And we, we, we have had a couple of directors come and made some short kind of documentary films on us. And they, they think it looks like a beer brewery when they walk in. Because they're like, what's that do? Oh, that's linked to that. Is that legal? We think it is. It does smell sometimes. <laughs> And our processes have got better and better, but I do look back to when I was that kid and go, yeah, if you, you couldn't quite pin down what it is we've built, and I couldn't quite pin down this contraption that Heath Robinson had invented. And I think you do need a bit of madness. In all creativity, you need some madness, yeah. right? But you, if you don't have the madness, that's where the magic is. That's the thing that makes it, that's where breakthroughs happen because you're trying new things. 
Nick, at the risk of getting scientific here, uh, if, if people are listening thinking, okay, I get this, I'm Nick's a mad dude, you know, and, and it's great what he's done, but not me. How can people bring out their own madness? What's what's? Uh, we actually had a speaker um, j- just last week. She said that you send people away. They got alcohol is the, one of the keys. But yeah, where do you get your? Where do you get madness from? Well, I think that look, without making it really boring, you need to have a purpose, don't you? You need to have a reason to get up and tackle something. You need to have a reason, and the reason, if it's just money, you're doomed, because everyone knows when you set up a project that you're not going to earn any coin for a long time unless you're one of yeah. the lucky few. So you need, to have a, you need to have a purpose and a reason, and you need to have something singular to solve, right? Something singular. As soon as you start to have about 10 things to solve, you get, it's like chasing nine and 10 rabbits down different holes. Yeah. You get distracted. So I think, and you just need tenacity. And not everyone has got it, and you need to be, you need to be uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, you need, to be unco- you need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because I've had mates that said, oh, look, I want to leave advertising and I want to go and set up a business like you. And I've said, okay, you've got to get comfortable with not earning any money properly for five years. And they go, whoa, shit, no way, dude, that's not happening. You know, and there's a great book that I give people, Who, who, move, who move My Cheese, I think it's yeah. called. And yeah, I say, yeah. just read that. If you're not comfortable at leaving your little home to go out and find some more cheese, don't do this. You know, I think I'm, I'm going to push you here because you've given us a very logical answer. You need a purpose. You need something singular to solve. You need yep. tenacity. But the word madness suggests something more or different than that. I mean, you can we can all write down well, my purpose is to do this. Yeah, I've, I've a singular problem is that, and I I can I can be today. Give us more. I want, what, what gives you that spark? That that thing. I'm going to actually do something like this. I'm going to take the fire. You want to solve it. You want to solve the problem. And and you look at okay. I think as okay as an outsider coming into the eyewear recycling industry with absolutely zero credentials. Right. I'm now an expert at failing because I've failed more times than <laughs> most people. Right. So if I'd basically done what everybody else has done, then we wouldn't have got to where we've got to. And I get cheeky little rat bags saying, "Can you tell me how you do it?" Because I want to set up a similar business, and my answer is no. It's like <laughs> you're going to be like learning my drive bad driving techniques. You go and f- explore your way, and you might qu- you might resolve it quicker. Um, I think um, just on that, I've been sort of listening, and I think you've said it, but for me to rephrase it for you is, I think the the madness is not taking the logical path. You know, it's totally illogical. Um, you know, for you to, to yes. leave a secure job, doing what you do, do what you're good at, uh, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's a bad, again, it's not accepting the status quo, but it's just illogical, you know, doesn't make sense, I think is what the definition of, of madness in this case is. And, and absolutely correct. And I will say that once you, and I went all in, I quit my job and I went all in. And the reason you have to do that is because if you keep a job going, and we're not wealthy of hide away, we've, we've really have hit some walls, but they're motivating walls because you go, holy shit. Excuse my French if my mom listens to this. If we <laughs> if we if we don't really knuckle down here and solve this problem, when we've got absolutely no chance of trying to recoup our expenses and costs. So actually it's healthy to have these hard debt hard like we've got to pay the mortgage. I think if you yeah. try and do a job and you don't leave your job and you try and solve something, you're too comfortable. I've got friends that are too comfortable and they're not getting anywhere. Because there's just there's no motivation, there's no fear, right? And and that's a you need a bit of healthy fear. They go, if we don't resolve this, what the hell are we gonna do? Wow, that's fantastic. So it's who, who was it? The, the, the South American explorer went to the 
new world and burnt his ships so that yes. they couldn't knew they couldn't escape. It's it's that wow. <laughs> yes, uh, it reminds me, uh, Nick. I've just finished reading uh, Jesse Coleman. Uh, Find your yellow tux. We're trying to get him on the show, but he's a, a baseball team in in Savannah called the Santa, Savannah Bananas. Okay. Anyway, he he went all in and literally he you know he went right to the bottom and now now he's a, a multimillionaire um, because he's about in it. Well, I mean this this, this stupidity like we never risk the house. Yeah. And I just want to say to people, you know, we we have a home and we we we're still paying a mortgage, but we we never risk the house. I didn't want the kids to. That's stupidity, yeah. right? That's stupidity because my 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 philosophy is if I can start this an idea and and all else fails and it all goes terribly wrong, all I've wasted is my time. What we haven't done is gone back financially, yeah. right? So we start back at the same point. I think that you got to. I would I would just want to put that point home because. I don't want to encourage anyone to just go for it because it's nuts. And I will say one thing. If you have an idea, ring up three people that frighten you that don't really know you, but maybe an ex-boss and present the idea to them. Do not present it to a friend. Do not present it to your parents because they'll all go, this is great, but really it's probably not for you, little Tommy. Uh, you know, I, I picked three people that frightened me and they all looked at me and said, yeah, we know you're a tenacious sod. You should go for this. Right. But I've equally, they've also guided me and said, that's a stupid idea. Get back on track. Mm. Don't do that. Don't distract yourself. Stick to what you're doing. It's interesting because, again, with a recent guest that said, you've got to surround yourself with people that disagree with you. The ones that agree with you don't help you because they're just going to nod and they don't guide you. But the ones that disagree, you can, you get feedback, you get, and then you can make a decision. Do I value the, what their source of disagreement or am I going to ignore it? But it's helpful to have those people. Well, yeah, because people like get uncomfortable. If they know you, they get uncomfortable and they get uncomfortable yeah. for you. They don't want to see you fail. They, they want to see you succeed. Yeah. But then the, the true honest ones will be like, oh, really, you've got no idea. And it's like, that's not a good place. And they project their own fear on, right? And so you've got to actually just go, okay, I've listened to everybody. As a creative person, you've got a gut feeling that something's right here. You've got to, and I think one of the keys as well is if you have an idea, write down what's the impact going to be of the idea. Because moving forward now as a business, in, any, in this shape, in this era, if you've just got an idea that's going to make you a ton of cash, well, that's great, wonderful. Go and buy your speedboat, go and live and move on an island and gamble in Monte Carlo. Wonderful. Yeah. But I think consumers are now getting behind brands. So the first thing I'd do is if you have an idea, stop. don't start designing logos, don't start doing pitch decks. <laughs> Write down what's the impact of this idea, right? And then work out, is it got kind of, is it going to connect with the consumer? Because right now, people want businesses that are doing great things, but also tick the box of what they're required to do or want to buy. You know, you can't sell a car that looks rubbish. you got to sell an electric car that looks awesome. Yeah. And then people will buy it. So it can't just be electric for electric's sake. It's got to be like the sexiest thing on wheels. Then you'll get sales. But the reason for doing electric is to, you know, try and move us out of fossil fuels. Tell me, Nick, uh, you, you keep describing yourself as a creative person. I'd love to hear more about that. What Are we all creative or are there people that are just more creative than others? Um, what, is it, what makes you decide that you are a creative person? I think my mum my makes glasswork. My dad's a shoe designer, right? Oh, They're okay. creative. Uh, I think everyone has a level of creativity, you know, Recently, I met a lovely lady. She's on the board of many, many businesses, but she set up a ceramics pottery business. And so you walk in there and go, well, she's obviously one of those creative types that makes things out of ceramics. But then she's also formidable in the boardroom. Like she's absolutely astute. And you can see that kind of breaking out. 
of her when she starts to talk. All of us are creative. In any, if you're a CEO or a CFO, you're creative. So I'm just a traditional creative because I train as a graphic designer and I can make something look pretty. And I can take complex information as a creative director and distill it down and turn it into a 30-second ad. Or I can write, I had a radio show on Triple M for three hours where there was sheer madness for three hours every night. And that was, it was entertaining. That's creativity. I'm now set up a business that turns plastic, a plastic bottle into something that people can wear. That's creative. But I'm, I guess I'm asking, are there people that shouldn't tackle something like this because they don't have creative bones or are there... Um, kind of, I'm, I'm, oh yes, I was just exploring this idea that there are people who are born, kind of have a kind of a strong creative urge, and what that feels like. And other other people that don't have that creative urge, or perhaps if they do, it's not as well developed, and therefore they're well, cautious they, with their ideas. They may not have the ambition. Like my mum doesn't have the same ambition as I do to solve world plastic. She's happy making glasswork. Yeah, right. There's just something inside some of us that want to keep searching and hunting and doing things and breaking new ground. Like I've got mates that work in advertising, in the music industry, in the film industry. And if you put me next to them in their chosen craft, they kick my backside. I'm not particularly yeah, good. Yeah. But I've just got this odd gene that says, <laughs> okay, I'm going to try and tackle something that, that is interesting to me that's actually going to do some good in the world. Not that they're not doing good. But yeah. I don't have the, I, I'm not an expert or the best creative by any way, shape or form. Nick, just, just on that, um, I have a question. Your glasses are incredibly elegant. Um, did, did you and the kids design them or did you have some, uh, some external? We had external help. Yeah. We had external help, yeah, on that. So that becomes product design. Yeah. And that's when you have to start to go, okay, you know, we've created the brief. And we know what we've done everything. We did the brand, the brief, the logo, the identity, the language, the positioning statement, the strategy. But then at some point, you've got to bring in some experts. Mm -hmm. And so we brought in a design agency to help us work on the design of the hinge area yeah. and the style and the modularity. So is that hinge, is that, is that something that you patented or is it just an adaption of something? Yeah, we've got a global patent. Got a global pattern granted on that hint. Congratulations! And that's fantastic. That's another yeah. mind. That's another minefield of of you know you create something and there's this fear of someone's going to nick it. So I have people pitching me ideas and they're like, "Oh, you might steal it." I'm like, "Trust me, I'm so busy in my own world of pain. I'm not interested in your nappy brand. I I just wish you all the best and good luck." That's fantastic. Yeah, no, they're, they're really, uh, they are very, very elegant. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get myself a pair. Yeah, we do do readers and we do prescriptions. Yeah, yeah, correct. <laughs> Before we wrap, I'm sure everyone listening will be thinking, how do I get hold of a pet? Where do they go? Do they, are they online? Are they in retail? Where do you yeah, find? We, well, retail went out the window when COVID hit. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yes, you can buy them online. I think it's it's www.goodcitizens.com.au. You can buy them there. You can also follow us on our Instagram, which is goodcitizens underscore official and Facebook. Yeah. We've got the world's worst TikTok account. It's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, but to be honest, I get grief, but I'm, I'm trying to solve real world problems at the moment, not the problem yeah. of TikTok. And, yeah. you know, I kind of, God, this is, I'm sharing my age, pixel trash. There's enough stuff going on. I can't compete with that. So, yeah, yeah you yeah. can get them on our website and uh, you can come and we've got a virtual try on that we've just kind of launched this week, just testing it out so you can try the glasses on your face. We didn't create that. That's just a, a mob that we're paying to do that. Yeah, you can get I, I learned yesterday, if you've got 
if you wear prescription glasses, you can get prescription. Yeah, we've got it with Zeiss and Adelaide have a lab, and we basically we can get them cut in a week and, and back to you. So it's pretty good. It's a very good service, exceptional service. <laughs> and, I, and look, I, I love your I love your um, coloured clips, you know, which are the, the hinges. Uh, well, you know, yeah. Look, I, I, most products when they're made of recycled materials, I know we're running over time. They're just black because it's easy to chuck some black dye in and it just becomes yeah. black. I said we're going to have colour, we're going to have clear, and we're going to have some fun. And everyone's just staring yeah. at me, going, "Well, that's just not how it works." And it's like, "Well, we're going to have to process things a bit differently because I want people to express themselves, and colour's a wonderful way of expressing themselves." Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's how we kind of did that. Fantastic! I think it's an absolutely wonderful story and an inspirational story. I'm really struck by the fact this is a whole lot bigger than eyewear. This is about inspiring other businesses and people to do their bit as well. And so I sort of see the whole business as being a trigger for change, not just the change, but a trigger for change. Um, so yeah, thank you, thank you for joining. It's been been wonderful to speak to you. It's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Paul. It's 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 great that you do this and inspire people. It's, it's only the people that we interview that inspire, but we're we're very happy to be conduit. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, well, that's, that's what that's what we are. We're conduits to a lot of things. So yeah, yeah, we're in the same boat. We we, we learn a lot, uh, Nick, and we you know and, we you know we're up to getting close to a hundred episodes, and every episode we learn something new about you know creativity or a different approach. And, and yeah. yours is no exception. So um, thank you so much, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Chris, that was fantastic. I'm going to have to go and buy a pair of Good Citizen glasses. Oh, me too. We're both glass wearers, so I can absolutely see my next purchase coming from Good Citizens. I, I was really struck by how, how his, his enterprise, if that's the right word for it, is much more than a business that makes um, glass glasses out of recycled plastic. It's about that provocation to the world he can only do his part but he wants the rest of the world to take notice perhaps take inspiration and that's why i think that the teaching and the um professional speaking that he does is very much part of what he's trying to achieve i agree chris and i think one of the things that i found inspiring was this whole thing about being comfortable with being uncomfortable in particular the fact of what he has learned what he has had needed to learn about plastic manufacturer qualities of recycling and to actually go all out to make it 100% plastic so we had to invent and patent a hinge so it's incredible it's more than just being uncomfortable it's really you know developing as a person learning so much pushing himself and his children so absolutely incredible yeah yeah um i don't think fear is too strong a word we've got, we've got to kind of embrace that visceral feeling of i have to do something i have to get this right otherwise it won't pay the bills um, my minute worth creative will fall apart um powerful stuff whoa what a great thing. so if you've been listening in we'd love to hear what you think please uh, tell us what you think about social enterprises tell us what you think what role creativity plays if you've got a story to tell about fear please pop it in the box below we'd love it if you give us a rating hopefully a five-star rating but please give us a rating and of course tell your friends get help us get the message out there and also help nick get his message about good citizens out <laughs> see you for next week tune in next week cheers